0: resources, and services administration.
1: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is here as well. And we are here to take your questions regarding your investment portfolio. 715-845-2155. We can mess around with the big questions. We can mess around with the small questions. Uh, We would like your phone calls. To keep us from pontificating for the entire hour, right? But we're
1: not going to mess around in the studio. That's different.
0: Okay. alright four five twenty one fifty five. If you want to know what's going on in the markets, today is today the day to get your questions answered. I wanted to start with a couple of uh, topics that were in the news this week regarding the, uh, the topic of insider trading. And let's start with Elon Musk, who basically came out yesterday or the day before, railing at the SEC, claiming that they're harassing him for talking about his social media posts and all of the things he says. Now, the, the, the topic goes back a few years when Elon Musk was accused of artificially inflating the uh, value of his stock by making various tweets and social media posts about upcoming transactions involving his company. So the SEC took him to task for that. Uh, now he's claiming that his free speech rights are being violated. Where does free speech and insider trading mix here, and should Elon Musk have some control over what he says on social media that drives the stock price of his company? You know, I'm all for free
1: speech either way. Excuse me. But when you have the ability to just say a couple of words and to drive that stock up or down in those couple of words, you probably should be saying it. Now, the other part of it is, is is he acting upon it. So he can drive the stock shares up and down, but is he act upon it and getting some sort of consideration as a result of doing so? And that's going to be the part that's going to be difficult for the SEC to force. You know, for example, uh, when uh, Elon Musk tweeted, I think it was someplace at the end of third quarter, somewhere in there, and he said, so you don't like it? How about if I just send $10 billion worth of stock? Um, and he did. But, of course, the thing was he had to file ahead of time. He needed to pay taxes, this kind of stuff. So I think it would turn out to be about like $11 billion worth of stock that he sold to pay taxes. But what happened is the share prices started jumping, well, of course, down, then up and back and forth because he said he was going to sell the shares. And he had already went through the process of announcing he was going to sell the shares and all that kind of stuff, so he went through all the record. But he has the ability to drive that stock up and down and saying something. Should he? Probably not. Um, can he uh, announce stuff that we're going to do this new and we're going to try this or we're going to do this different?
0: Yeah, I think that he are there, can. Are there laws in place to stop people like Elon Musk from doing that?
1: Absolutely. Um, there's been a, a number of, uh, you know, they call them advocate traders or, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. The guys who start getting into companies, and they'll buy up a bunch of shares and they'll drive the shares up and start selling them. And there was a um, one, I'm not going to name his name, but he was just known as soon as he started buying positions inside of a company, he would go on and start saying about the company, drive up the share prices. And after a while, the SEC said, eh, you're not doing that. And the, the one of the deciding factors in that was is if you can talk about a stock all you want to, that's fine. How is it doing to make money, new ideas they have coming up? But if the stock price goes up and you go through and you start selling off a bunch of shares, that's the no-no. Because now you're getting consideration for the information that you're doing. You can't do that. You can't drive up the shares as a result. So there's a, a whole bunch of forms. And I can't think of the, the forms and, and the stuff that has to do it anymore. The, the age is starting to catch up in the memory on some of these. Um, but if, let's say, Tom, you own 10% of, of, of our, oh say, um, GWZ, there. I don't think the company has that one yet. Um, if you have 10% shares of that company, uh, you're now considered a, a highly, I'm sorry, a uh, uh, you have too many shares in the company you have to register with the Securities, Securities Exchange Commission if you're going to sell some of those shares. Um, and so Elon Musk certainly is the same thing as well as we, you know, the other names you know and Carl Icahn and all these guys, they have to announce ahead of time that they're going to sell the shares. But then you're supposed to shut up after you've announced that you said something, you're going to sell the shares. You're not supposed to say anything to try to force that price up or down. That might be where he's getting in trouble. But um, if you say, well, I think it's a great stock I want to buy in, I think all of you should too, and the stock price goes up, but he doesn't sell any, he hasn't benefited by what he said.
0: The other thing I wanted to get your take on is that in the last few weeks, the House of Representatives has been talking about uh, passing rules that do not allow sitting – legislators to trade in individual stocks or stock positions in companies. Uh, Obviously the critique is that these people who make the laws have information that could drive up or down the price of a stock and for them to trade on that information just isn't right. We've had numerous examples of that in the last 10 to 20 years. Um, What's your take on this movement now to get rules like that passed, to keep legislators who are in office, from trading on the stock market? I think it makes perfect sense,
1: and it should have been there a long time ago. We do it for the president. Why shouldn't we be doing it for the House members of, of Congress, too? Um, you know, there's certain things that I can't do because I have a securities license. Um, so why is it they get to make the rules, make the laws, um, have uh, lobbyists associate with them, and still get to trade the shares? I think it's BS. I think it shouldn't be that way. They should be going into a blind, blind trust, their assets
0: should go in there for them
1: and their spouses both. I think it should be.
0: Yeah, there. That, that's the other question about having <laughs> having your wife do the trade so that you're well, like sir. once removed, yeah. but like it is really matter.
1: So, for example, with me, uh, Tom, we have to go through a questionnaire every year as part of our due diligence and compliance stuff. And and it is, uh, you know, uh, do you have any brokerage accounts? And, and okay, yes, yeah, so I have them. Um, do you have any relatives that, uh, that have brokerage accounts? What's their names? Uh, do you do any business with your relatives? Um, do you provide any questions or information to your relatives uh, because it's the oldest game in a book well i can't trade on that but i can have a uh, cousin larry trade on that stock and we'll split the cash later on that's one of the oldest gigs in the book and they're looking for that sort of stuff and, and i think the same thing should happen um inside of that another thing i think is that now i'm going to keep, keep going on here um i also think that you should not be able to hire um, uh, your spouse or relatives if you're a, if you're a politician i don't think you should say well my News director is going to be my child. Uh, no, no, they're not. Um, because to me, that just seems like you're taking campaign money and throwing it into the family. I just think that's wrong, too. You know, you mentioned— All right, I'm getting you, it out of my— system. That's all right. That's right. sorry. <laughs> In
0: this rare uh, occasion, we might agree on something. Um, you mentioned the term blind trust, and I think everyone has heard that term. Maybe they don't know exactly how a blind trust or, works or what it is. When, when someone puts their holdings into a blind trust, what happens then at that point?
1: Well, it's the same thing, Tom, if, uh, <clears throat> you know, you have $10 million and you don't want to run the money anymore, you don't think your kids can, you have the ability to take your money or your kids' money, you can simply go to XYZ Bank and put the money in and say, okay, you guys manage it. And so that's it. So from there, you're not to calling the shots as far as buy Amazon or Intel or something like that. You're not buying or selling any of that. They're just doing it on your behalf. And you're looking at, okay, how much money am I making? And that's, that's it. So, so with that, then, you have a trust that's managing it on your behalf, um, and you're just looking at the rate of return. If you don't like ABC Bank, you can go to XYZ or HIJ. And You so can't you, call
0: and, and text or email them and tell them something you'd like
1: them to do. Well, we can do that if we're hiring them. Um, but if it's a blind trust, the answer is no. You're just choosing ABC, HYJ, HIJ, and your statement says, this is how much it's worth, here's how much you went up and down. Um I don't know to what extent they can see the investments, but I don't believe so. I think they just get the investments that if they don't like one place, they can choose another. Um, but that trust is doing the managing on the inside. The trust, more than like more than likely, certainly has um, questionnaires that are more aggressive, conservative, all that kind of stuff, and they'll build a portfolio accordingly. Uh, but they're doing all the work. You can't see it. You just have to know that you have that amount of money going in and what your rates of returns are at the end of the year.
0: All right, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you have a question from her, give us a call. We'll be right back here on WSAU.
2: Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing. But not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad
0: Council.
1: I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving... Remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
0: The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day... Gino Show, now on WSAU. To our Canadian patriots, my heart is with you. We have a huge audience in Canada. I don't know how long it will probably be banned in Canada, too. They abuse these Interpol red notices to get people arrested around the globe. Uh, how long before Canada does that, too? Central Wisconsin's home for Dan Boncino. AM 550, FM 99.9, Nine and in Wausau, 951 WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. You know, we've been talking about inflation now for a few months, and um, there have been a lot of posts, a lot of stories written about how a lot of the price increases we are seeing from companies on products that the companies claim are due to inflation um, don't really track because the companies involved are making record profits. They're making record profits, and yet they're raising prices on things, claiming inflation. Um, That doesn't seem to me to be something that the average consumer should look at very joyfully if, if, in fact, a company is raking it in and they're jacking up the prices for the average consumer and claiming that it's inflation that's driving well, those price increases. Th-
1: there's this thing. This is this is called capitalism at its best. Now, I'm not saying that there's not companies taking advantage and, and, and go after them. Somebody should. Um, but there's truth to that. You know, you, if you own a, a business, Tom, and your demand is so high you can't keep up with the demand, just like if you have a bar or restaurant that there's so many people getting, you can't deal with them. You increase prices a little bit oh, because I, I, you have that ability. I, supply and demand is one thing. That's and, certainly and, and, true. And that's and that's, that's a, a good portion of what this happens. You know, a company says, geez, we just can't build all the stuff. We can't do it, so we're going to increase prices. Hopefully, it'll slow down our demand. We make a little bit more profit. We have that ability to take the profit, build it into more machines, build more widgets, whatever the case may be. And there's truth to that. But some of them are gouging, and and uh, hopefully, the competition will take care of that. But there's some truth to that. I, I don't I, like those companies that are doing. That. I
0: read a story today that uh, the average price of a new car is now over the the list price on most of the new yeah, cars yeah, that are out yeah. there, um, because of supply chain issues and, and the inability to get chips or whatever the case may be. So, what does that mean for your car company investments for GM, uh, Chrysler, even the the odd ones like Tesla and, and these others? Car car the, manufacturers at this point cars in time.
1: that they're selling they're able to sell at a premium regardless of where it is. Um, New car prices, and I just heard the article literally uh, this morning on the way here, new car prices up 12% throughout the course of this past year. Used car prices up 40% this past year. Um, And it doesn't look like there's going to be any drop in those prices coming up. So, folks, uh, don't think that uh, once there's more chips being made, which should end, by the way, uh, from what I'm reading, the latter part of this year, we should have chips being manufactured enough. Um, But uh, don't expect the prices to start dropping. They're going to end up sticking and staying up. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, used uh, car of of prices
0: up 40 percent maybe i've yeah. ever put my jeep Cherokee on the market huh boy i
1: you know i've if i haven't said it on here i've said it so many times twice now the place where i bought my truck i use for pulling my camper my diesel um the place that i bought it from have called me two times and they've offered me what i paid for the truck three years ago uh for a trade the problem is i just don't have anything to buy yeah you well, know when i trade it in I yeah. like okay what do i use well you'll have to wait three or four months well Three or four months is when I need it for pulling in campers, you know. So, um, so so much so much for that idea. That sounds great, though. I'm also not able to convince the missus that it's a good idea yet. So we'll have to, you know, see how that goes. But <clears throat> so in that um, the, that supply side, I mean, the, the car manufacturers are they're making money. They're they're doing fine, like everybody else. Everybody's making money. It's just that excess demand that's out there is what's killing the supply chain to a large degree. You know, we're we're back to business as we were pre pandemic. Pretty much across the board, with the exception of movies. And again, my take is, you know, well, who cares? But nonetheless, <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> make better movies and people will come, right? Well, you got a point. See, yeah. There you go. Supply and demand, perfect. Make better movies, they'll come and and. and besides, everybody's got a ninety-inch screen in their living room these days that are sometimes bigger than the screens you get at the movie theater, right? And you don't have to pay. And you don't, have to, pay, ones, and you don't yeah. have to pay ten bucks for popcorn, or well, more than that even. I would because the popcorn's better than
1: I get at well, my house. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. I'm not saying that my wife makes bad popcorn. It's (laughs) me, of course. Um, But, you know, you you look at that and uh, the things that are driving those stuff up and those expenses, eventually it's going to settle itself out. Um, It truly will. But it's just going to stink for probably, I'd have to say, a good year from everything that I'm reading. A good year yet. We're just going to continue to see inflation. We could see a drop quickly if we opened up oil and gas. And it appears as though that's not going to be the case with this administration. I think one of the
0: Fed uh, presidents, I can't remember which one, whether it was St. Louis or, or one of the other ones, said that uh, he he wants the, his bosses, the Fed, and he's one of the bosses, I guess, but he he would like the Fed to move quicker as far as the interest rate thing goes, that it's not it's not moving fast enough. You know,
1: um, the, the market's going to pace, and this is coming from uh, my readings this morning with Brian Westbury, and... Uh, Last year, the market had paced in in um, the futures and that kind of stuff inside of the markets. It put in about 75% increase of interest rates, you know, three-quarters of a percent throughout the course of this year. Um, and, and so now it's actually come up more to the, about the 125 mark throughout the course of this year. Um, I had said it probably a month ago. I hope the Fed just increases a half a percent right off the bat uh, coming up next month. Um, not that I want to see the reverberations that's going to happen inside of the markets as a result of doing so, but I think it makes a, a big jump on inflation and try to get a hold of that. So essentially what has to happen, we have to suck up a bunch of this cash that's inside of the economy so it actually slows down this excess demand and we'll start seeing inflationary uh, issues come around. But the the oil and gas, if we can get those prices down, it's going to make the prices cheaper to move stuff around from A to B, uh, trucking, shipping, containers, ships, the whole bit. Um, And as a result thereof, that will start driving prices down quickly in all the other places. But again... We're of course, just not opening stuff. The up oil, stuff well, the stuff. oil
0: and gas question, of course, the wild card is the, the situation in Ukraine with Russia in the West. Well, Ukraine's part of it. Don't get me wrong, but the
1: U.S. has the ability to, to export oil and gas. We're not. Um, the administration is shut down because of, you know, the the green new deals and the green. Uh, and I heard the term, uh, uh, the green jihad. I heard that uh, just recently. It was kind of funny, but, um, but you know, we're not opening up any more pipelines. We're not opening up any additional drilling in different areas. Um, companies are are not getting the, the loan and the financing inside of the uh, the, the oil and gas industry. And, and as a result of that, we're just not getting anything new. We're going essentially with the same essential wells that we have, with the exception of those that were already you know, in I think process. Some
0: of, I think some of, not to be facetious, but I think some of your relatives are, are trying to slow down those pipelines for environmental concerns.
1: Well, true. <laughs> and if they have it solved, fantastic. If they not, they're just complaining about it. you know. So, But there's so many pipelines that they're trying to, Redo old pipelines, and they've even stopped that, which doesn't make any sense because now you're going to have the old pipelines, which have the possibility of leaking or something like that, and putting a new one in as the maintenance of the old one, and they're even stopping that sort of stuff. It just doesn't make any sense to me. We need- so, without that, um, it's going to
0: continue to uh,
1: slow the uh, rep- reparation of inflation, if you will.
0: All right, we need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU.
2: When I was in Iraq, our convoy was hit. It was bad. After I came home, I could still hear booms and see tracer fire. Makes it hard to be a good mom.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Candace Jones with the American Academy of Pediatrics. I know we're all looking forward to getting back to life after the pandemic. That's why now is the time to get your kids caught up on their childhood vaccines. So they'll be protected from things like measles and meningitis when the world starts to open up again. When you call your pediatrician to schedule their checkup, it's a superhero moment. Call your pediatrician
2: today. The fastest. Ready to fast. So fast. Pretty fast
0: time. With the world moving this fast. Way too fast.
2: You want to be caught up. Omicron.
1: is falling.
2: falling. A new all-time murder record. Control. Inflation. Russia invading. Ukraine. You are not welcome here illegally.
0: Check in at the top and 30 minutes past the hour. What is important. What you want. And what you need. Right now. What's going on right now. Keep up with your world on WSAU and WSAU.com.
1: The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities investment advisory services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
0: And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. So with pressure on some of these companies as far as inflation goes and, and some of these other issues, where are the sectors that you're looking at for bargains right now? What, I know you can't talk about individual companies, but what about sectors where there are some bargains available? Boy, technology. Um.
1: <clears throat> a lot of articles on NVIDIA, and I'm not not—I'm not telling you to go out and buy NVIDIA stock, folks. Okay, so that's not the instance. I'm using this as an example. So don't go run out and say Merle bought and said buy NVIDIA. Okay, don't do that. Talk to your financial professional ahead of time. All right, so hopefully I got that done. But here's an example of, of a company, uh, NVIDIA, sales off the charts, progress what they're doing off the charts, making money hand over fist, and yet their stock prices went down because they're guilt by association because of the technology stuff.
0: Should I know what they do?
1: Uh, they make chips. Okay. Uh, they make chips, custom chips, whatever kind of chips you want to, how they affect it, very, very good. Um, and, and, again, sales are off the charts, but they're down because everybody else is down. And, and they shouldn't be just because it's so good. And so, as a result, there's just been um, TV article after TV article, read one again this morning, talking about NVIDIA. So, again, don't go run and buy it, folks. Make sure it fits inside your system. But... There's a lot of companies like that that are just guilty by association right now. Essentially everything technology is down and that's what's driving down the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. So those things are just dropping down like a rocket. You're seeing a lot of shifting of money going to what they call safer investments or uh, uh, defensive stocks, not defense as in weapons, defense as in defense of the marketplace. These are your you know big Dow stocks. So that's tends to be where money is going to, but, we have to look at the drop of the tech shares and say, can we pick up some stuff that's doing really well? You know, we look at Amazon. I'm sorry. Me- I'm sorry. Facebook. Meta. Well, they had some profit misses. Well, okay. Do we want them? Well, we had discussion back and forth. But there's a lot of companies still making money, doing really, really well, and now they're on discount. Um, and they're going to continue to keep bouncing around. Now, one thing we have to watch out for, folks, and this reminds me of, of you know, the late 90s. You know, the late 90s in here, everything was going well, and everybody's saying, well, geez, this stock just had a you know, huge year last year, and uh, next year they come around saying, well, we're still going to have a great year, but it's not going to be as big as it was last year. I was like, sell them. They stink. What? You, know, you kind of look around, and you, know, you, you expect expectations of, of profit margin and a certain amount of growth um, uh, on a stock. And when it's double that, you're all excited. But when they come down to not double what the normal expectation is, but they're still 20% higher, you're like, well, they stink. We're going to sell them. Well, Well, you're not going to be able to buy as much
0: uh, champagne, caviar, and make your yacht payments at (laughs) that point. There you go.
1: Exactly. So you look at a lot of these tech companies, and they're in that area. They were up so high last year and the year before because we're sitting at home and we're buying and using all their products and services as we're sitting at home online. And they're still making a ton of money, but just not as much because we're all not sitting at home anymore. But they're still doing very well. And so those stocks three, five, ten years from now are going to be fantastic. And I think there's some real bargains and sales out there inside of that tech area if you're watching. You look around and that little bit. But, again, folks, you know, talk to your financial professional about that because there's a lot of volatility in there depending upon where you are in your life. Um, you have to make sure you're, you're watching that volatility. And, again, using Nvidia as an example, don't run out and buy them just because I said it, folks.
0: What do you look for in a stock like that whose price is, to, is taking a hit and yet you still think it's good and, and worth uh, buying on a discount as opposed to a stock that's taking a hit and maybe isn't going to cut back at, at, in any short-term sense? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a big reader,
1: and and some of the first things I do is, I say, what do you think about this stock? And now, folks, you, you're not going to have the same Morningstar stuff that I have um, uh, we pay a lot of money for Morningstar for their research and our analysis. It's because it's what I do for a living. So, so we can pop it and we can pull Morningstar's out and they're going to give us our opinions, the financials, the information. We can look at that stuff in individual stock. So if we have a, uh, you know, GXW stock and we want to pop it up, we can pop it up We can look at it and get all the opinions of it. So we get all the opinions. And then from there, I'll go into it and say, well, um, what's your competitors doing? What's the news like on them? Are they growing or contracting? And do they bring in a bunch of debt? So from there, I start looking at it and say, can I understand their product? Um, uh, And is this something we want to own or have? And what do we think is going to happen in the next three or five years? And so that's how I'll look at an individual stock. Um, And so if I start someplace in the middle, it looks like, well, uh, they're doing great. But now people are starting buying less of their product. The industry that they have is falling apart and slowing down because of something new. I'll stay away from it because I don't want to buy something to go for a long term. It's the same thing we do if we recommend it to a client or we recommend it, you know, for myself that I use one. Same exact principles we go on.
0: 715-845-2155. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. I saw a story, and I can't access it because they're asking me. They've got it hidden behind a paywall here. But the story is about an, uh, an ETF, an inflation ETF says, the rapid rise of inflation in recent months has sent investors and advisors scrambling for ways to protect their money, so one of them decided to create his own fix for the problem, and it's called an inflation ETF. I hmm. guess, what would that be without seeing the information on this? Uh, what, what, what would you think that would be, and, and how would well, that I'd, protect you? I'd have to look at it in the inside
1: and see what it is. Um, hopefully, it's not a whole bunch of the inflation bonds that are out there. Um, but, you know, inflation, if we look at this, folks— um, We talk about inflation. Why is it important for us to beat it? And So let's look at it in this context. Um, Tom, if let's say inflation at 6%. I'm doing that because it's easy to divide by thirds. But let's say inflation is only 6%. As we know right now, folks, it's 7.5%, higher in some areas. But if it's at 6%, if we take a third of that 6% out for taxes, and you'll see where I'm coming with this in a second, that means we need to beat 4% on that money to be able to keep ahead of, of uh, taxes and, and we having to put inflation in And if we look at it and we say, well, geez, um, I'm just going to put the money inside of a CD where we're earning a percent and a half, maybe two, you can see you're going backwards. So everybody that has CDs and money market accounts um, and that whole bit right now, you're going backwards. And I don't, I'm not telling you to run out. If you sleep at night and that's what you want, do it. But you're going backwards. And it's just the nature of the beast at the moment. And one of the reasons we have to be able to get a hold of this and make some more money going forward. And so inflation just eats at everything. And so how can you do that? Well, U.S. government has some I bonds that are out there. So they're inflation index bonds that can do really well, except that they're also really long-term. And so we can't just buy them today and sell them tomorrow. So perhaps this ETF has a bunch of those that we can trade in and out of some of those I bonds. Hopefully that's the case. So the only thing that's ever beat inflation long-term has been ownership of something. You know, we can take a look at anything we own, folks, and say, does it grow faster than what inflation is long-term? Now, granted, we're at 7.5% right now, but even if we look at real estate in the last year, we can look at it and say, well, geez, my real estate went up more than what inflation did. My investment accounts probably went up more than what inflation did, with the exception of the last month or so. Um, so we can look at it and say, well, ownership has beat inflation, so we have to have ownership someplace, but, of course, risk controlled to a certain degree. So we have to have ownership. I um, mean putting some money inside of a bank really isn't ownership. That's just a place we're parking money for the temporary.
0: So when you talk about ownership, you're talking about buying hard stuff like real estate or land, or are you talking about buying securities? Uh you buy yes, it's all ownership.
1: Remember, when we buy stock we're we're actually an owner of that company. That share, whether it's one share or one million shares, that one share is ownership in that company and as a result we're participating in the ownership of that that company has. Their buildings, their equipment, their individuals, their patents, their product, their ability to create and sell—we're having ownership. But ownership is a thing that beats inflation. So we just have to make sure that we're having ownership to a certain degree, um, so we're beating inflation. Our home—if we have rental properties—right now, our cars are beating inflation uh, with the rise of used car prices. You know, uh, folks. Tom and I were just talking off-air. You know, on on the on our cars. Maybe we should sell them. So we have to have ownership. That's the only thing that's beat inflation. But. Inflation is spiking up. It'll come back down to an average. and the Fed's hoping to have it back into that uh, 2.5% range is what their target is. I'm
0: not sure anybody outside of maybe someone with collectible cars or watches those auctions on TV are thinking about automobiles as as uh, investments. Right now, it doesn't matter which automobile it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Let me get the buttons pushed correctly. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Star. Hey, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Bart. Yeah, i just heard about investing in life insurance is is that something that you actually can draw off when you want to retire or is that someplace you want to park your money um
1: barb i i don't know if i'm the right person or the person you want to have answered this question but let's let's give it a shot first of all life insurance isn't an investment okay okay so with me Yes. I didn't hear it or is it not? It is not. Life insurance is life insurance. You shouldn't
0: but, look at life insurance as an investment, according to it,
1: And the unfortunate part is, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of lawsuits and things that happened in the mid-90s about this with in the insurance industry. The insurance industry was selling life insurance as an investment product, as an alternative to doing something else. Um, and and uh, they got sued by it. And, and you're, they're not supposed to be saying life insurance is an investment. Now, there can be some advantages to using life insurance Um, um, but life insurance is an investment and the reason is you have so many costs coming out of that insurance premium that you're paying in that are paying for cost of insurance and administration fees and you know the cost of the investments depending upon what type of insurance policy and all those expenses are coming out of there and they really uh, degrade the amount of rate of return that you can get as a result of it okay so, so so, that said, life insurance is not an investment. But there are some advantages you can use life insurance for, um, and you can use them for what's called zero, 0% net loans, and you can do some real creative things with it. But you're not doing it as life as an investment. You're doing it as a, as a, a as tax a pay- break. As a payment for when you die so that you're... Right. So, so life insurance, you know, it, it's always designed to have a, a payment going off to some heirs when you pass away. But you can use life insurance for some tax benefits um, along the way just because of how they're written from a tax standpoint. But, again, you're using them as a tax benefit and not an investment. So if you have a life insurance policy, like anything else, you want to get the best rate of return you can.
0: um, But it's not an investment you design and build for retirement. You should never look at them that way. All right, right. Thanks for the call, Barb. Appreciate it. You know, when they were selling those kind of insurance products as investments, I think the selling point was you pay this premium. It was a pretty high premium if I remember right. And then eventually the premiums stop, and when you retire, then you're supposed to be getting payments out of that account as sort of like a, a return on that investment. That yeah. That's not a thing anymore? They can be. Um, let, me, let me look at it
1: this way. Let's say you have a $100,000 policy, Tom, and your premium on it can be the minimum or it can be the maximum. And you can even go over the maximum in a lot of different places, but that's another conversation. But how the insurance premiums were sold and how the insurance policies were sold, you buy that $100,000. You pay the minimum premium, and because of the great interest rate and returns we're going to get inside of the policies, you're going to be able to stop paying premiums, and at some point in time, you'll have so much cash you take out for retirement. Well, then interest rates went down. Well, so now the minimum paying that payment that you're paying isn't building the pot up enough to make it work. And the insurance agent's never going to sell enough if you say, well, we're going to have this $100,000 policy, but I want you to pay the maximum premium possible and the most expense out of your pocket for that, so you can have the cash value, they're not sold that way. So can they be used if you do it that way? Yeah, it probably can be used so that you have the cash value and do other things with. But you get more efficient rates of returns if you're gonna use it for retirement with something else and buying a different type of insurance policy. So insurance policies, it depends upon what you want it to be for. You know, for example, if you just need some policy and in insurance for between now and ten years, you buy a term policy. You can't beat it, the price is the cheapest. But if Merle needs to buy a, an insurance policy because of an estate plan or I need to make sure that, you know, I have boys that are disabled folks. And so if I want to make sure that they have money that's going to go into their pot when I die, no matter what, I want to buy a permanent policy, like a whole life policy or something of that nature. where I know if I pay that premium, that death benefit's going there no matter what. Um, I want to do that. Well, if I only want to pay it for five years, well, then maybe I'll pay that maximum premium we talked about. Um, so, so I'm going to pay for it so that I'll buy a permanent policy for that because that's something I permanently need to have solved so it depends upon what you needed to do when you're using insurance as well um, I like life insurance because it's really challenging to be able to get the stuff done the unfortunate part, my opinion is is there's just a lot of them were done for the wrong reasons um, as, as
0: all of our players are locked out right now we appreciate your patience please continue to hold Thank you for holding. Our next available report from spring training will be with you shortly. Your patience is appreciated. Please continue to hold. The Brewers on WSAU. And hopefully we will see and hear the Brewers at some point in time. Apparently they are going to have... Uh marathon negotiations starting on Monday between the owners and the players, so hopefully they can get something accomplished. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Let me see. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Good morning. This is Tom. Hey, Tom, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Good morning, Tom. Yeah, the question I have, you're talking about life insurance. Aren't annuities a form of life insurance?
1: Um, to a certain degree, but it's a different animal. Um, life insurance, of course, has mortality. You're going to pass away. Well, I shouldn't say that. Annuities have that, too. Um, annuities are financial products that are designed by insurance companies. Life insurance is life insurance, so they're two different animals. Um, life, right, if I know. Go ahead. You read in your annu- annuities that it does have a a death benefit to it, so it's kind of a yeah. It, it awesome. is. The, the, the part that's crazy about it is that I think one of the reasons it has a death benefit, is it has to have it to pass what's called Section 101A, which is the definition of annuity. Um, so it has to be have a payout at some point in time, but usually, in, at least in today's modern world, annuities are usually not um, uh, designed for the death benefit. In fact, the death benefit is essentially the cash value that's inside of the policy for most annuities. So, okay, well, just want a clarification, because I do have a few annuities, and one, you know, you talking about life insurance not being a good thing, and all of a annuities are part of that. Yeah, there's a lot of people who think annuities are life insurance policies, and they're not. Annuities are investment products by life insurance companies.
0: Okay? Okay, thank you. All but, right, thanks
1: I for I the call. I appreciate helped. it. And, and oh, I would a people are confused about by that. Yeah, there's a, there's a big question about that. Uh, annuities are investment products, done by life insurance companies. Um, a life insurance policy is a life insurance policy, done by a life insurance. I mean, company. you can
0: sell annuities, but you can't yes. sell you can't sell life insurance. Well, I guess the life insurance we okay.
1: just don't have the opportunity and time to do it in our office. Um, life insurance is life insurance. We can do them, but it just takes a, a lot of work for the stuff, and we just don't have time to do that in our office for what we do. Um, but life insurance is is. Um, is something that's necessary. I think we should all need to have it. And we all need to have it done right. And there's some quality life insurance agents that are out there, um, but life insurance. But for is a most life people, life insurance policy for death done the ab- by the insurance company, and annuity is an investment that's done that are written by insurance companies because they're the only ones that get the follow the cool rules of annuities <laughs> under 101A. For
0: the for the average investor who's just looking for the. Death benefit to cover the cost of your funeral, or and a few mm-hmm. bucks maybe on onto on your survivors. That's what life insurance is for most people. Right. Yeah, uh,
1: it is. And so the the question becomes is you're either going to get temporary life insurance or permanent life insurance. Those that's the next step. Temporary is term insurance. Um, permanent does something you have to go for a long term for the rest of your life. Um, I actually have both. Um, I have temporary insurance that while I'm still working, if I you know. <coughs> Over. That was my attempt at making it noise. Um, if I flop over, I need to make sure that my wife and my kids are good. So I'm supposed to do this. Term. Oh, boom. That's yeah. your head
0: hitting the counter on the way down. Hopefully, not <laughs> while I'm on the air with you here. I don't <laughs> well, hit the microphone yeah, first. Yeah, you
1: um, um, but then we have stuff that I have to make sure that goes on. Um, uh, beyond my retirement, I need to have stuff that's in place and that's
0: permanent insurance. Well, we, well, we have Alan on the program. We talk a lot about uh, nursing home insurance and long-term care insurance. What do you What do you think of that as part of a, a person's portfolio? Uh,
1: you know, it's really changed over the years, and we used to do some of that, but we don't do too much anymore. Um, the rules have changed so much in nursing home insurance. Um, it, and, and and to the benefit, or to the better, because there's a lot of rules in place, to make sure if you're selling it to somebody, they know what they're buying. Uh, but I think a lot of the stuff that happens with nursing home insurance, um, you can get done with trusts because the expenses of nursing home insurance have gotten so high. Now, that said, there's something that's interesting, and it's been out for a few years, and it's a little bit of tweaking. We see it come back. It'll fade out from a company. It'll come back again, and that's using nursing home insurance that's on a life insurance platform, and I think that's got a lot of promise for driving down the cost of nursing home insurance. Um, nursing home insurance classically was built around uh, like uh, life insurance or car insurance. You know, you have a, a certain population that's going to use it. We know this is going to be about the cost, and so out of that population, here's what the premium is, and let the actuaries figure out what that is. Um, well, the, the difference in there is that if you don't use it, well, you still lost your premium. A lot of people didn't like that because it's expensive. Well, then when deregulation in the insurance industry happened with the Affordable Health Care Act, the price of nursing home insurance went crazy, just absolutely nuts. So then a number of companies said, well, if we use a life insurance platform and if you put money in over four or five years and after that four or five years, the switch turns on from a nursing home standpoint. um, uh, If you pass away in the meantime, the death penalty will go to the family the family still gets money. If you want to cancel your money, we can let you take the cash value out. Um, But if you go to the nursing home, we'll let you take the premium out in advance to help cover the cost of the nursing home. And that's the basic generic framework of it. And I thought that had a lot of promise to it because the prices were a lot less than um, uh, what it was with a traditional nursing home insurance.
0: All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that?
1: Uh, we will be in the office, though the market will be closed. We will be there. Uh, oh, it's Advent President's Day on Monday. It is indeed. So uh, wear your ha- funny hat here. And uh, your and go out and buy a tar- mattress, t- right? Yep, go buy a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that furniture on President's Day? Anyway, 3rd Avenue Bridge Street. Stop in and say hello. Say hi. Come and visit us. Um, give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, outside the Wausau area, 355
0: 1800 Do you remember 600. what your there phone number is? Well, I'm forgetting everything these days. <laughs>
1: um, or find us online at kelchandassociates.com.
0: All right, we'll talk to you again down the All road. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. We've got the the news on the way. The polka shows are coming up as well. No sports on the radio today for WSAU, but we will have Badger basketball for you tomorrow. The Badgers taking on Michigan, and that begins with the pregame show at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, right here on WSAU. Not all kids with crooked teeth can afford braces. Luckily, there's donated orthodontic services from the American Association of Orthodontists, kids who.